we are continuing on with our Compassion by Command series now, and we are very happy to have our friend Dwayne Polk back with us today. So if you could please help me in welcoming Dwayne, that would be awesome. Yay! Howdy. Howdy. How y'all feeling this morning? All right. Um, greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I am Dwayne Polk. And before I get started, just wanted to give a birthday shout out. It is Shauna Boren's birthday today. And so she's just a wonderful blessing to the church. So I just wanted to honor her on her big day. And so. <laughs> Never older is better. That's what's always never older is better. All right. So what we're going to do is we're just going to pray and then just jump into this. I think this is a uh, message that's appropriate for the season, but I also think it's appropriate for how we are just to develop as being more Christ-like human beings. What does that really mean? So um, let's pray and then get into this. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you um, for just being you. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of all the glory we can give to you. And so we've been worshiping you and with song. We've been worshiping, we're worshiping you with dance and, and praise. And now we're coming to the word. And we just pray that you would just fill us with your spirit, Father, that you would empty all of us, all of our egos, all of the thoughts that we had coming in here, that we just empty all of those and that we receive what you are trying to feed us, Lord. We pray that you would feed us what it takes for us to be who you've called us to be, that we could be that light, that we could be that message that shares your love. And as a result of this message, let no one in this room be the same. And then all, all the people said, amen. All right. The title of this message is going to be called, Every Day is a Day of Thanksgiving. Every day is a day of Thanksgiving. Now, I know what y'all are thinking. That's one of the most original titles you've ever heard, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not really about originality. There's a lot of different reasons why I came up with this title. One of the most important reasons is this whole month, I've been kind of reminiscing about my own history. And so I remember when I was coming up at Greater Mount Olive Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, and um, they would sing different hymns and different songs. And so actually one of the songs that we used to sing in Sunday school and everything like that was called Every Day is a Day of Thanksgiving. Now, just bear with me. Y'all might have heard this song. Every day is a day of Thanksgiving. Come on, if y'all know it. He's been so good to me. Mm. He keeps on blessing me every day. Is a day of thanksgiving. Won't you come and magnify the Lord today? <laughs> All right, that's 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 to bring a little southern exposure to y'all, a little southern hospitality. All right, but we they used to sing that song, and um, to be honest with you, you know, I want to kind of you know, I, I really think that it's one of those things that can get overused as a truth, you know. Every day is a good day to thank the Lord, brother. You know, that kind of thing. But that's the thing about things that can be overused is, even though it might seem cliche, there is a truth to it that has to be understood. Just for, just for example, the fact that we're sinners, the fact that we misrelate to God, even though that's a truth that can be overused and it's a truth that we don't like to hear about a lot, it's very important for us to understand that in order for us to relate well to God. So I feel like that is the same thing that goes on with the whole idea of every day is a day of Thanksgiving. So I want to take y'all back. We'll be the Greater Mount Olive Baptist Church. I'm not ushering today, so we're in the back with the children. 
you know, the children that kind of don't want to be there, so we all kind of kick it in the back, you know. And so, you know, we'd kind of pay attention to what was going on and talk about what was going on in high school, and we'd ask each other different questions and whatnot. And so when I was sitting back there, there were certain things that I really would have thought processes on, and I would have different questions. And asking the different people on this road that we're sitting on, the same kind of questions come up. And some of the questions are related, but they're kind of distinct. So one of the first questions I would ask is, why is, what is there to thank God about? Now, I know that, you know, sounds kind of arrogant and, you know, appreciate it's coming from an adolescent stance, but sometimes I would be there and maybe I'd be thinking about problems I was going with or problems that were going on in my community or problems going on at home. And I'm like, I don't see much to thank God about. Or let's just bring it up to, up to date. Maybe there's some people that just lost a loved one. Maybe they just lost a loved one to cancer. Maybe they just lost their job and now they're, they're threatened with the idea of homelessness because they can't pay for their house. Maybe their marriage that they struggled to keep alive is disintegrating right in front of them and they're, think, they're thinking the same question. What is there to thank God about? Right now I'm going through the most painful thing in my life or right now I'm going through the most stressful thing in my life. What is there for me to give thanks to God about? He's not helping me as far as I can see. And so sometimes you can be in that state. And so that's one of the questions that we're asking on that back row is what is there to thank God about? And the second and third questions, they're more kind of related to the why. The first question is the what, and the second and third questions are about kind of the why. So the second question is, why does God feel like he needs to be thanked all the time? Now, I mean, I'm serious. I had this thought. It's like, is God just some kind of egomaniac that he just needs us to thank him over and over again so he can feel good about himself? Like, does God just have a big colossal self-esteem issue? Really? I mean, these are kind of the thoughts that I'm having. And again, when you're in that dark place and all of those things are happening to you, then that question really becomes pointed. It's like, you want me to thank you all the time, but I don't see where I'm getting anything. And you want to be thanked all the time? Maybe I'm the only person that's had that thought. But, I really, but it's, it's really a situation where you're thinking so much about what you don't have and what's going on that you're like, you know what? I don't feel like thanking you on principle. That's rebellion. <laughs> so this, but this actually slides into the third question. And I really did feel this. If I don't feel like thanking God, what's the big deal? I mean, God is God, right? I mean, he's creating everything. He owns everything. Surely if I come to church and I don't feel like thanking him and I don't feel like singing that every day is the day of Thanksgiving, he can get by, you know? I'm like, what is the big deal with me feeling a little ungrateful now and then? I mean, you could tell I'm a teenager thinking these things. But again, these thoughts seem to come up, I find, even in my adult life. You know, God, we're in worship right now, and I just don't feel like worshiping you with all my heart, soul, and strength. So you just got to take this. So we're going to ask the questions, what is there to thank God about? Why does God feel like he needs to be thanked all the time, if that is true? And if I don't feel like thanking God, what's the big deal? All right. Before we answer these questions on that back row, we have to establish something. We have to establish what the will of God is. And the reason why that's important is because if we are not careful, we will let our thoughts and our emotions dictate what we need to do rather than subsume or put under our thoughts and emotions to the world, the will of God. 
And whenever we do that, we will go wrong in some way, form, or fashion. So I feel like it's important to really get down what is God's will for us. And we're going to find that in 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Now, this is Paul, and he's talking to the church of Thessalonica, and he's trying to instruct the, the church on how to live in the times that they're in, the perilous times that they're in. How should they live? How should they conduct themselves? And this is part of what he says. Be joyful always. Pray continually. And this is the part I want you to underline. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, this is very important for us to understand. We have been predestined, everybody that has believed, the word says we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that is the image of Jesus Christ. And it is God's will for us to become that. And so whenever we see Jesus, we'll talk about that a little bit later, we see in the life of Jesus a life of thanksgiving to his Father in every conceivable circumstance. It is God's will, it is God's design for us to be thankful in all things. And I want to go ahead and straighten this out. I don't mean like we're thankful for all things, like basically we just have this resignation to this fatalistic or whatever's going to happen is going to happen and I just got to take it. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this. Because God is so involved in everything that is going on, everything that we see, smell, and taste, and we just literally, we, in him we move and we have our being. Because of that, I believe that in every situation you're in, whether it's a mountaintop or whether it's a valley low, God will give you something to be thankful for. It might just be that lifeline that you need in a time of dark despair. I believe that in all things, there is a reason, there is some kind of factual information that we can know and say, God, you are worthy of thanks, you are worthy of praise, regardless of what's going on in my situation. So I just need to get that down. Even though these questions are important, these are very human questions that we're asking, we need to see what God's will is. God intends for us to pray continually. God intends for us to give thanks in all circumstances and to be joyful because that's God's will for us. So with all of that, let's ask these questions already. First question, what is there to thank God about? Again, when you're in those heavy situations, it's kind of hard to kind of see what you can thank God for. So one of the things I wanted to do is think about things that it really wouldn't matter wherever on the planet you were, whatever social station or however many resources you had, that you can thank God equally for these things. That these are just things that we really don't think about very much, but they're extremely important. So what are, what are some of these things that, we're there, that we can thank God for? The first thing is the moon. The moon up in the sky. Now, don't get me wrong. There's lots of people that like moon, the moon for different reasons. It can be romantic for lovers or it could be mysterious for people. You know, they always say the weird people come out with the full moon and all that. That is true, by the way. Now, <laughs> but anyway, what was interesting is this. It was a kind of a curiosity to me. I saw a show on Discovery Channel about the moon and the show was basically about how the earth would be if the moon wasn't there. And 
I know that you enjoy these Minnesota winters just as much as I do. <laughs> and, and we enjoyed the full four seasons, you know, actually having a fall and a spring and everything. Do you know that if it weren't for the moon that we would not have the kind of regular seasons that we have? We wouldn't even be able to enjoy them. We'd have deserts over here and, and glaciers over here, and it would not be capable for us to have the life as we know it on this planet. Now, what's really interesting about that is that really does seem analogous to the way that God works because you can have a little cloud cover and you can't see the moon. And I don't know about you, but you kind of get by without it. I mean, we got streetlights. So if the moon ain't out, it's like, okay, well, the big deal, the moon's not out. But the moon has an effect on everybody on the planet. And without the moon being what it is and doing what it's doing, we would not be doing what we are doing. That's how important it is to us, but it seems like it's kind of not important at all. And I really think that's an analogy for how God is with us, how he continues to influence us and he continues to grace us to be able to live, but in such a way that we can actually pretty much ignore him sometimes and take him for granted. So that's one thing we can think, thank God for. Everybody on the planet can thank God for the moon, because if it weren't for the moon, you probably wouldn't be here. All right? The second thing is the sun. You know, I don't go tanning very much, but I really like being in the sun. And one of the things I'm thankful for is that it gives me the energy to live. See, this is the cool thing about the earth. The earth is just close enough to the sun to get warmth to sustain life, but to not burn up and not too far away so that everything wouldn't just freeze. Now, I don't know about y'all, but it almost looks like somebody designed this whole thing for human beings. Now, I'm, I'm, it might be a conspiracy theory, don't, don't quote me on that, but if, as I look at the word and him being a creator, maybe this is part of God wanting to give humanity good gifts. <laughs> so we have the moon and we have the sun, which blesses everybody, no matter how sinful, how holy, how rich, how poor, these things bless everybody. Then the third thing is your breath. Do this with me. Take a deep breath, inhale. Exhale, woosah. All right. Now, I love to do that. There's different things you can do with breathing techniques, but it helps to remind me that whenever we breathe, do you know that we're all sharing one big breath called the atmosphere? Without this atmosphere, none of us would be moving, singing, dancing anywhere. And breath is so important that when you look at, at, at the Old Testament, it says that God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. I'm telling you, you can get us without food or water for a while and we can kind of be okay. Get us without air for like a good four minutes. We ain't doing so hot. And think about this. Isn't breath one of those things you can really appreciate when you don't have it or you see somebody else? Like maybe you've seen somebody that has some emphysema or somebody that has lung cancer and they struggle to breathe. And then that's when you think, oh, Jesus, I'm glad I can breathe good. But here's the question. Why does it take us seeing somebody else with the inability to breathe before we give thanks for God for the ability to breathe? Something that everybody uses and God gives us as a free gift to everybody without any type of, any type of strings. Just because he loves us. And we go day after day, breathing in, breathing out, whatever situations we're in. Do we thank God for that breath? 
See, when I look at this, when I look at the things like the moon and the sun and the atmosphere, I think of this song. It's one of my favorite songs, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And some of the words go like this, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. How many of y'all know that God's graces are new every morning? Every time you wake up, every time you wake up out of that deep sleep, that is another moment that God has given you to participate in his life and participate in his world. And you might not have it tomorrow, and yesterday's already gone, so you have to thank him for his mercies day by day. All I have needed, you have provided. I needed air, God, you gave it to me. I needed gravity, you gave it to me. I needed warmth, you gave it to me. All I've needed, your hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Now, I've always liked this song, but what, what, I, what I've learned and what I've shared with you about how important the moon is to us and how important the sun is to us and how important the breath is to us, doesn't that put that, that song in another light? Like, it, it has a deeper truth to it. It's like, it really is the case. Great is your faithfulness, Jesus. If it weren't for you holding me in existence, if it weren't for you giving us the sun, none of us would even be here to praise your name. So great is your faithfulness. And I'm not trying to be Mr. Geek here. It's just one of those situations that it's important for us to understand that these are the things that are very important to human life, and sometimes we rarely give thought to that. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we have this thing, you know, and it's socialized into us sometimes called entitlement. Some of y'all might have heard of entitlement. How many parents we got in here? How many, how many parents? Just, just want to get, just want to get a, a, a little consensus here. How many parents love it when they do all that behind the scenes things for their kids and make sure everything is seamless and it seems like the child doesn't even acknowledge what's going on, let alone being thankful? Do we have any parents that are really feeling that? They, they like that? <laughs> That's one of the joys of being a parent, right? <laughs> well, how about this? Maybe God feels the same way. Because we are in a personal relationship with him. I mean, he gives us all these gifts, not so that we can big him up, but so that we can have this relationship with him. Because we are not entitled to anything. Every, we, if anything, we owe God. But he gives all these things freely for us to enjoy. So this last thing, I know I've been taking some time, but I really want us to understand all these things are important. But I think this last thing that we should thank God for it pales the others in comparison. If you are under the sound of my voice and you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe that he is the Lord of all things, and you have a personal relationship with him, do you know that the whole entire triune God exists within you right now? The God that has created every star that exists in the whole universe, I'm talking about billions and billions of stars, and billions and billions of planetary um, figures like the moons and planets, the same God that is creating all of that in the universe without strain, without fail, without fear, is living in you and wants to know you and me personally. Now, I want us to understand, I want us to think about that. The God, now, the God that basically makes all of us look like microbes wants to be on the inside of us and wants to know that and love him and care for him. 
When, see, when we understand that, we have to understand this is why nothing can separate us from the love of God. This is why we can understand that all spiritual blessings in all spiritual blessings in Christ belong to us. It, it, his spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. That is how we are able to say, Abba, Father. Now, this is what I'm wondering. Is that something to be thankful for? Whenever I think about the fact that the God that is sustaining everything is in me to give me the power to love everybody, including myself, now that makes me want to run around the room. Yes. That was what makes me want to go ahead and say, woo-woo. See, I'm almost, I mean, when I get to this place, I love the sun and the moon and the stars and all that stuff, but I'm almost like, bump that. We got the creator living in us. That is what I'm going to rejoice over. That is what I'm going to be glad over. Because that presence gives me the power to love the unlovable. It gives me the power to forgive the unforgivable and to conquer the unconquerable for his name's sake. For his name's sake. See, y'all feel me? And so I feel like as I've, I've talked about all of this, we have tons of reasons to thank God. Objective reasons that it doesn't matter what stage of life or how, where you are positioned in life, that you have access to that you can glorify the Lord for. So let's move into why. Why does God feel like he needs to be thanked all the time? Well, first of all, we have to understand that our God is not some arbitrary God that wants to big himself up by making us look bad. That's not the point. What's really going on is the Heavenly Father wants us to live in a way that we can see what is real. See, the fact of the matter, ladies and gentlemen, is that God really does do a lot of stuff for us that we do not recognize. Do you realize that everything right now is only being sustained by the power of his word? Like without God loving us, caring for us, really nurturing us through his providence, absolutely nothing would exist. So whenever we get into this stage of thanking God for things, God is actually bringing us to the reality of the gifts that he's given us. See, back at Greater Mount Olive, remember we were back in Greater Mount Olive on that back row. Sometimes you would hear the deacons up front say a prayer and they'd say something like this. Oh, Lord, if we had 10,000 tongues, we couldn't thank you enough. Now, me, I kind of got caught up on the 10,000 tongues because I tried to imagine somebody with 10,000 tongues and it was like, oh, that's <laughs> whatever. But what they were trying to say, and I get this now, what they were trying to say was for if we had to thank God for each little thing that God gave us to make us be able to have our merry lives on their way, we, if we had 10,000 tongues, we'd be speaking for 10,000 years consistently straight because that is how many little bitty things that are behind the scene that God does for us every day. Not for dysfunctional reasons, but because he loves us that much. And whenever we fall into a sense of entitlement, we begin to take those things for granted. Anybody in a, anybody in a marriage, the, you probably know this, the worst thing you can do is to take your spouse for granted, forgetting the little bitty things that they do for you. It deteriorates the relationship, and that is the same way with God. The third thing, if I don't feel like thanking God, what's the big deal? It kind of ties into that. If I don't feel like thanking God, what is the big deal? Yeah, he wants me to live in reality, and he wants me to see what he's blessing me with, but I mean, if I don't feel like that, you know, whatever. Here's the thing. When you don't feel like thanking God, or you don't feel like doing that for whatever reason, even though you might not want to, you are working against your own nature. 
the nature that God created human beings to have. And when you work against your nature, all you can have is pain. See, here's the thing. God created human beings to do good works from a pure heart to the glory of God. He created us for good works from a pure heart to do to the glory of God. How do I know this? Because I see Jesus. See, Jesus is fully God and he's also fully human. He is the full representation of what true humanity is supposed to be like. And as we trace Jesus through the Gospels, we can almost see him just almost addicted to thanking his father. He thanks his father for revealing things to the children and not the wise people. Then he thanks people when he does miracles and he, even all this life of thanksgiving up to the last supper when he blesses and breaks the bread. He lived a life of gratitude and obedience before his father at all times. And when he did that, he wasn't just being good. He was showing us the actual template, the, the, the model for how humanity is supposed to be. And when we do not follow our model, when we do not follow the way of thankfulness, then we slide into our fallen self. We slide into a way of misrelation, which um, Paul talks about in Romans 1. This is how you can know when you are not flowing according to your nature. Romans 1, 21 through 23. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor, underline this, gave thanks to him. They didn't feel like glorifying him or giving thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. We are made to be living Eucharists. In other words, y'all might know that from um, different church backgrounds, but Eucharist comes from the word to thank in Greek. And that's where we get, have the term for the Lord's table because the Lord's table is a time of prayer and thanksgiving. And what we have to understand is we are not, we are meant to come together and pray and thank God through the communion and thank God through the Lord's table being Eucharistic in that way. But we are meant to live in that state every day. It's good that we can come in here and we can partake in the Lord's table and really feel thankful for what he does. But do we take that feeling out there seven days a week and live in that level of thankfulness all week? We are supposed to be walk you, walking thank you letters to God. It should not be new to us to stub our toe and be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Because you know some other stuff might come out. But when you get into that mode of being thankful, then you can even thank God for the pain sensors that allowed you to feel the pain. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. We are meant to be living sacrifices. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. There it, again, there it is again. Approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Instead of getting socialized into feelings of entitlement, we understand ourselves as living sacrifices to be poured out for God's sake. See, here's a thought that I'm having about being thankful 
as it relates to poverty. And tell me what you think about this. See, I don't care what you have or don't have. I don't care where you live on the planet. I don't care what station you're at. If you cannot give thanks to God for what he's done for you, you are impoverished. Impoverished meaning in poverty, you are impoverished. Why? Because I'll, I'll just go from my own experience. If you're like me and maybe you don't have a lot of stuff, <laughs> sometimes you can get to the point of basically saying, you know what, well, you know, I, I don't have that much to give, so, you know, I, yeah. And it's not like we don't pursue right relatedness in all relationships, but the fact of the matter is that if you don't have that center of thankfulness, you will fall into these extremes. Paul, on the other hand, he learned to abound and be a base. That's what he says in Philippians 4. In other words, he learned to have a whole bunch of stuff and he learned to have absolutely nothing and be okay with that. Why? I think because he found the secret of thankfulness, which was why he was able to talk about it and write it in 1 Thessalonians. See, you look at, I mean, he, this guy almost had Thanksgiving on the brain. You can even look at Ephesians 5. And he talks about us being imitators of God and living a life of love like Christ and all that. And how does he say we do that? How do we combat the sin? He says by thanksgiving. It's a consistent pattern with the guy. I mean, he's into this. But think about this, and this is what I thought about. This is a guy that went 22,000 miles on all these different journeys. He got beat on multiplications. He got stoned on one occasion. He got shipwrecked and all that stuff. And this guy is able to write the majority of the New Testament telling these people that they need to give thanks in all situations. Now, I choose to believe that the only reason he was able to have the grace to do the things he did, that he did to forgive people, to establish these churches and all of these different things is because he lived in the grace of God by being thankful to God. You cannot go through Paul's letters, not one of Paul's letters, without him thanking God for something, thanking God for the church that he planted, thanking God for the people even though they're sinning, thanking God for, I mean, seriously. But that, I believe, is part of what stained, sustained him to do the ministry he was supposed to do. Now, you want to see how easy it is for us to sin on this, this regard? I want you right now, just imagine, close your eyes. Think about somebody or some persons right now that are kind of doing you wrong or they're being an enemy to you in some way, form, or fashion. They're doing dislike, just, um, you know, dis whatever behavior, you don't like it. Really, get the image now, okay? Now, I want you to try and being a mad, genuinely thankful to God for that person, for the good qualities that they have. Is it hard for anybody? Maybe it's only hard for me. <laughs> but I, I'm going to tell you what, if you are like me, that's kind of difficult. It's kind of difficult when somebody is hurting you intentionally or unintentionally or they're neglecting or they're being just an enemy to you in some kind of way for you to actually lift them up to God and say, God, thank you for this person that's trying to destroy me. But here's the thing. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? Wasn't he loving and thankful for the very people that were trying to destroy him? Even to the end, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Living our natures of loving thankfulness to the greater, I believe, is one of the greatest weapons that we have against poverty. See, whenever you have a heart that is thankful to God, that heart is going to be looking for opportunities in the world to serve God in that world. And it doesn't matter where you are. It removes selfishness from hearts both from people that have resources and people that don't have resources. Like, for example, let me use my example. 
I am what you would say living on the borderline financially. Anybody else feel me on that? <laughs> and so sometimes you might feel like, well, you know what? I want to give more. I want to do more, but we really don't have that much. And so, you know, and so it's easy for a person in my situation to fall into a type of average where it's like, I don't have enough, so I barely have enough where I got, so it kind of shuts off that generosity. Or maybe you're a person that has, you know, maybe more abundance to the point where you can figure out, you know, what needs to be, you know, distributed where and stuff like that. And it could be a case that as that person is thankful, that they are literally content with what they have and they don't fall into the trap of, I have to have more, I have to acquire more because that's what the culture's telling me to do. Regardless of where your station is, Living in thankfulness before God, it gives you a sense of gratitude which expands your compassion, which expands your ability to share and give. I think about the widow with two mites, actually, that it really doesn't matter how much you have. If you're thankful to God, the little bit that you have will be more than enough to meet the needs of the kingdom. And again, what's good about it is it frees everybody. It frees people that don't feel like they have enough from trying to hold on too tight. And it frees other people that might have more than enough from being attached to having more than enough. It frees both of us to not blame. It, flee, it, it frees everybody from manipulation. And it frees us to just work through the spirit as the spirit manifests to all of us. If you want to short circuit the judgment impulse, Start thanking God for the people you're judging. Start thanking God actually for your own forgiveness for sins. This is what I've noticed. When I start thanking God for all of the sins that he's forgiven me for and all the grace he's given me when I didn't deserve it, somehow I don't have the time to judge other people. Like somehow it just kind of falls off of me. By the time I'm like, well, yeah, Lord, there's my arrogance. Lord, there's my pride. There's my fear. I, I just can't look at somebody else and be like, well, look at what they're doing. I'm too busy. Thank you, God, for my own grace. <laughs> Being thankful to God for your enemies, that's something else you can do. And the reason why that's important is this. If you keep living one of these days, sooner or later, you will do something to be your own worst enemy. You will either judge yourself, self-condemn yourself, anything, and at that moment, you need to know how to love your enemy when the enemy is in you. So when you are able to love, when you are able to be thankful for your enemy, you might find that that enemy is you that you're extending your own grace to. Something else. Even with poverty, we want to make sure that with the people that mourn, with the people that don't have, we identify. That there is identification in all the members of the body. But I believe that that goes both ways. Just like we are to mourn with those that mourn, we are to rejoice and, and celebrate with those that are rejoicing and celebrating. See, I feel like if we just, what if I indwell the personal victory that my sister's experiencing? Maybe right now I ain't got no money right now. I'm on the borderline of even my own sanity. But when I can look at my brother or sister and I can see God making a breakthrough in their life or God releasing them from that addiction or helping them, that gives me faith. That gives me the ability to say, God bless you for what you're doing for them, regardless of what you're doing for me, because it's building your kingdom. And little by little, that kind of thought becomes habitual. You just keep doing it. You just keep doing it until 
You get to a place where you don't have jealousy and envy and all of those things more than you have a, Lord, they're blessed. Thank you. I know my time's coming. Thank you for the little bit that I do have. Living godliness with contentment. We're going to go on. There's two practical steps that I want to talk about, about how we can work through this. Because like I said, we've answered the three questions. And I feel like we know that it's God's will for us to be this thankful person. How do we get there? Two practical things, and I'll describe one in a story here. I'm talking with my wife, and we're talking about financial issues. And how many of y'all know that sometimes when married couples talk about financial issues, it can get kind of sticky? (laughs) So we're talking, and my wife is sharing painful truth with me about some things that are going on. And my amygdala, my little reptilian brain is like firing off. It's like, you know, that fight or flight whole thing. Like part of me wants to be like, now how in the world are you gonna say that to me? And woo, woo, woo. And then the other part of me just wanted to kind of just escape. Just like, look, I ain't talking this. <laughs> but something in me said, you know what? This, this, this is my marriage and this, this, this conversation we're having is extremely important. I wanna be here, but Lord, I'm finna go off in two seconds. What can I do? And, and God was like, Start thanking that. Start thanking me for her. I'm like, <laughs> and so man, I'm trying because this 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 truth and this, this is truth and love that she's giving me, and it's hard to receive. And I'm like, I'm looking. I'm like, Lord, thank you for her nose. <laughs> she's got such cute freckles on the nose, and and thank you for her face. It's beautiful. And, and don't get me wrong. At first, I was sarcastic and all that. It was a problem. But then after a while, well, first of all, some good things happened. First of all, I was actually able to stay in the conversation, be level-headed, and actually hear where she was coming from, which I wouldn't have been able to do before because I was able to thank God. But beyond that, I almost went into a worship service in my head, y'all, because it was kind of weird. I was thanking God for different things, and then all of a sudden it just hit me. He's like, wait a second. Well, Lord, I do remember how she had this illness and it was life-threatening and we had to go through all these medical procedures, but she's still here alive in front of me right now. That's something I can thank you for. Wait a second, wait. I should be dead in my grave or in jail or something like that right now. I am alive talking to her. I'm, I'm feeling the pain. She is telling the truth, but we are here. We are alive because of you. And y'all, I went into full-blown worship in my head, listening to her, really being invested in what she was doing, but just thanking God genuinely and seeing her as God's gift and seeing me as God's gift. And that made all the difference in that conversation. It's making all the difference in my life with her and my life with other people. So I just want to give you a firsthand account that this is practically workable. Is it easy? No, but as you work at it, These are the kind of things that can happen. So the first practical thing, thanking God as help in intense situations. This is just kind of a form of mindfulness, a way that you can bring God into the situation. I don't care if you got, Lord, thank you for that person's nose hairs. I mean, I I don't care what it is. I'm trying to be funny here, but seriously, sometimes you have to just grab for something. But if you keep on that line of thinking, you will find some genuine things that God wants you to recognize in that person to be thankful for. And you get blessed by that. So that's the first thing. The second thing 
is I want us to take time, this is kind of a homework assignment, take time for a thank you break with God. And you can write this, you can speak this or whatever, but it has to have four sections to it. The four sections of this first section is you thank God for God. You just praise him for who he is. You God all by yourself. You are creator. You are alpha and omega. You are the beginning and the end. You just go off on it. Just go. Freestyle it. Just go. Because that will build you up for the next part. Then you have to write a thank you or do a thank you time with God for yourself. That means looking at yourself, both your strengths and your weaknesses, and genuinely giving God thanks for those. And it's a lot easier than it seems because when you're doing it, how many people here know sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself? You are forced to wrestle with that when you do that. What do you thank God for you about who you are, where you are right now? The next thing is the people you love. This is anybody that you feel close to, you know, give thanks to God for them. And then it might be the same people, the people that you struggle the most with, those people that are being your enemies, those people that are being condescending to you, those people that you can barely stand and want to almost curse out. Really genuinely look at them and ask the Lord, you know, Lord, I want to bless this person. Show me something to bless this person with and take that time and do that. And... I guarantee you from my own experience, it expands your compassion, it expands your ability to give freely, it expands your ability to even see other people's needs. And you see poverty in a whole different way. If I were back at that church and we were sitting at that back row, and I heard this song, I wouldn't have, I would no longer have this adolescent smirk on my face. I wouldn't have this, you know, this haughty attitude with it. If I heard every day is a day of thanksgiving, I would say yes and amen because I realize that it's the truth. And I realize that he is worthy of praise regardless of what our situations are. Every day really is a day of thanksgiving. If I could have the prayer team come up, we're going to pray and dismiss here. This is a season of thanksgiving, you know, both with Thanksgiving and Christmas. But I really feel like the Lord wants us to make this a lifestyle. It's beautiful that we have this, you know, a couple of times a year, but we are meant to be living thank yous for God every moment, totally renewed in our minds. And so I want you to take this time of prayer and think, think about something you are genuinely grateful for. I don't care if it's a little thing or if it's a small thing. And give God as much thanks and praise for that thing as you can. And live in that see what happens let's pray father I just thank you for this word I thank you for showing us why we should be thankful and what we should be thankful for I mean the turkey eating and the families getting together and all those things that's wonderful and the stresses that's another thing but the fact of the matter is every day really is a day of thanksgiving help us to see that Lord help us to live in that because you are faithful you provide our needs, and so we want to give you the glory for that as you give it to us every single morning. We pray that you bless everybody here, that they make wherever they're, wherever they're going, that they get there safe, and that even though we depart from each other, we do not depart from each other's presence in the Spirit, for we are one body in your Spirit. We thank you and we love you. And everybody said amen. All right. If you have prayer needs, please come up. Otherwise, we are dismissed. Go and serve the Lord.